let me jump to one of uh, the first questions we have here. It's from uh, Kyle. And he says that um, if there is one question I could have you ask your professional guests, that must be you guys, how do they adjust their sector and asset weighting when they are mandated to stay with that asset or sector? In other words, what's the preferred method of dynamically rebalancing a portfolio? I've read Catherine Kaminsky's book on managed futures, and it offers a few good points on this. However, I'm curious, when these early trend followers started their funds, how did they know how to initially balance their systems to avoid blowing up early? I think the answer lies in the type of volatility measures such as ATR, standard deviations, or price from the mean, adding up the basis points of allocation and margin risk, etc. So, over to the professional part of the uh, podcast, Jerry and Moritz. <laughs> Jerry, I think you should go first. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, so... The, sec the last part about blowing up, you know, once again, that's going to be a little, probably the biggest decision, uh, most important decision any trader can make is the initial choice of leverage. Am I yeah. going to try for 8%, 16%, 28%, you know, what am I going for? Um, it's very difficult to get that wrong in the sense that in the midst of a drawdown, you're not happy with that initial choice and try to come up with ways to not have to pay the piper for trading too large. Uh, so... But I think um, my answer is not very sexy because I set up the portfolio based upon the, whatever weightings I can get the most amount of diversification. So okay, that's uh, so I'm not necessarily going to look at the back test. I'm going to analyze the correlations and things like that, and put in my portfolio weightings per market based upon the correlation. So maybe I'm going to be smaller in the bonds than most people. In my opinion, they're fairly correlated. I'm going to be more commodities, more single stocks, because I can find more diversification there. Not going to pay any attention to historical performance. And I know this correlation and these weightings can change a lot, but I'm going to try to maintain those portfolio weightings forever, never change them. Uh, live with the increases and decreases and the fluctuations of the correlations because one of the most important things about uh, system trading is to uh, do the same trade every single time. So not only when the moving average crossover happens, I'm always going to buy, and when it goes below, I'm always going to exit. But um, I think it's better also to always trade that particular market the same size for your entire life, for the rest of your career, you know, you know, I haven't done this. I'm just saying it's probably better to, to do that and not have to make these changes. Um, so crude and heating oil and unleaded that are pretty much the same market. I'm going to, uh, that's going to be reflected in my portfolio weightings. Sometimes they're not. So, oh, well, that's the way, that's the way life is. Sure. So let me ask maybe a follow-up question on that, um, just to clarify. And and don't you don't have to be specific or anything like that. But just generally, if we're going to help, uh, you know, Kyle on on this question, I mean, how long, say, should 
a correlation study be? Because I think we we all agree that correlations change, as you rightly said, and and but maybe they've changed quite dramatically in the last five or ten years because of and you know uh, say an artificial way of monetary policy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so so how long is enough to to uh, to give you that? Uh, you know, basis for making a decision in terms of that, and also, do you do you then restrict uh, or allocate risk by sector? Saying I want to have so much in this sector, but actually, whether it's three energy markets or four energy markets, that's not so important because they're more or less the same. So, do you think about sectors, or do you actually think about well, I'm going to treat these markets completely individually? I treat them individually, and I don't think about sectors or asset classes. I've I've seen systems where, you know, um, on the brochure it said we have 25% in equities, 25% in bonds, 25% FX, and 25% in commodities. And it, you know, just for me, I, I don't, I don't work that way. I don't, I don't look at it that way, and I don't look at it at the, in the same way on a sector basis. So it's markets on an individual basis. And to answer his question about the correlations more specifically. I want to look at a very, very long, as long as possible, um, correlation between different markets and over different time frames. You know, we can calculate 100-day calculate, uh, correlations, 200-day correlations, and so forth. So I want to see changes in in that behavior. Like, have there been periods where you know bonds and equities correlated positive, positively? There have been periods where they correlated negatively. How often does that happen? Is that unusual? So those type of things, um, they they influence the the weighting mechanism, if you will. And then also, we you know without wanting wanting to become too technical here, but there are different ways in which calculation uh, correlation can be calculated. I mean, most people use the standard correlation function, which is you know Pearson's correlation which you know essentially also assumes a normal distribution of returns but there there are different different ways to measure correlation there's for instance the spearman correlation that takes into account drawdowns things like that which i think can be incredibly useful at least you know they play a role for me um, so i look at those type of things and and then like jerry said i mean if if you have markets that just by you know the fact that you know they're the same kind of like they they come from the same barrel like you know the petroleum products maybe you don't want to give each of them the same weight but smaller weights um you know um same same can be said for the bonds and for some of the currencies you know you can trade uh, a multiple number of of currency pairs but you know the the marginal addition probably isn't going to add that much because it does create overlaps with all sorts of other pairs that you're already trading so I look at it from, you know, the viewpoint of I want to have many, many, as many independent bets in that portfolio in independent markets at the same point in time. And that's that's how I built it up. I I don't, you know, sectors and asset classes and all that type of stuff, it doesn't it's not even an, a factor or a parameter in my system. Yeah, the <clears throat> independent, that's that's a great word. I I'll do the same thing. Maybe I'll look at some, uh, you know, shortcuts, clustering techniques that I will analyze a sector or a group, the European currencies or the energy. Uh, but I, for the most part, when people, I think, uh, talk about 
the percentage allocation to a sector, it's a, just a, a summation of an individual yeah. process. Um, then, of course, I left out the most important thing, um, which is that um, if if you were to ask me my positions, uh, they're totally determined by the trend. So I love and preach diversification and conservative uh, portfolio weightings, but I could be 100%, my portfolio could be in stocks or could be in bonds because it's the only thing trending. And so that mm -hmm. is the ultimate override. I sort of look at it as if I had every position on, what's the safest portfolio? And since one of my core beliefs is that in the systematic trend following, at least every trade has the same expectation, there's no reason not to be maximally conservative. And go ahead and just say, look, crude, heating oil, unleaded, it's pretty much one market. Um, but because, but also I've lived through at, at least twice where heating oil doubled and crude went up a, a few bucks. And then 1987, yeah. silver had a huge move. It doubled or tripled and gold went up 10 bucks. Uh, I mishandled some of those trades, so they're, they're, I really remember what happened. And, uh, <laughs> and then so they go right back to being 90% correlated. Uh, yeah. And so let's just, I, my idea is embrace maximum risk, silver and gold and platinum, they're pretty much the same market. Because all these trades have the same expectation, the longs and the shorts, and why not? Um, you're going to be in situations where they were not correlated very much at all. And, and in December 1990, I made 30%. I made all 30% in that month in heating oil, and I made 30% for the year. So that type of uh, trading is no longer exists at my company. <laughs> That's not going to happen again. So I've more embraced the hundreds of markets, lots of small independent bets. And uh, I don't think there's too much of a downside to that. No. And I think just from our side, I think we, we do it more or less the same way. We certainly treat every single market individually. And as Jerry says, we also, you know, the overriding factor is the signal strength of each individual market. But we do look at correlations and maybe we look at correlations in a slightly different way. I don't think I mean, our correlations are not just we look at it once uh, over a very long period of time. I do know that we use, you know, dynamic uh, correlations over time. But uh, to what extent it's, it's, you know, the principles of what we've just discussed, we I think we see that pretty similarly.